So again, welcome. Um, welcome to all those new people. I am honored to be a part of your journey to becoming the the bigger, more full you. Um, so this call tonight is the third in a series of three on good leaders that ask great questions. So before we begin, we have a custom on these calls, and um, I'm going to go ahead and share that with you. Um, think about what brought you to this call tonight. Why are you here? What led you to this place? Think about the goal or the purpose for you being on this call tonight. And go ahead and write that down now. What, what is your goal for being here? It might be personal. It might be professional. It might be related to a problem or an issue or a challenge you have. Whatever that is, go ahead and write that down right now. And, and the next thing that we do is Think about what you're really grateful for. In this very moment in your life, just pause and think about what are you thankful for, what are you grateful for, and write that down. So what this does is it focuses your brain, it tells your non-conscious brain to pay attention to what you need from this call tonight. And it opens up your brain to be um, aware of possibilities and opportunities. Okay? This is really important when you're beginning um, a, a new idea kind of cultivation, whether it be through a class or through a teaching um, or reading a book, is to really kind of set your brain, set the intention of your brain. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be at the end of whatever your time is? So tonight I'm going to share with you um, two questions and kind of a tip on how to handle conflict with other people. Um, I'm going to share with you five very simple questions for self-assessment when you're dealing with a challenging person, whether it be in your professional or personal life. And I'm going to share two questions with you to help shift your mindset um, during this very specific transition from being a um, what's called a producer to a leader, kind of a worker bee to a influencer, okay? So lots of questions. Some of them will go fast, and some of them will cover a little bit more in depth. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right in. So the first section we're going to talk about is that conflict, okay? Now, uh, anybody have any conflicts recently? Um, so when you find yourself in a conflict, um, sometimes you can do all the right things and still not get the results you want. Have you ever experienced that? See, there's no guarantee in life when you're in relationships, is there? Why is that? Um, well, because people always have a choice, don't they? They always have a choice to do right or not, to do what they think is best, what they know, are, or have at the time. And all people have choices and responsibilities, whether they know it or act like it. Right? Did you catch that? Whether they know it or act like it. 
this is a law. Um, what I'm really referring to is boundaries. You can be ignorant of a law and still suffer the consequences, right? Think about that for a minute. You can be ignorant about the law of gravity, but if you jump off your roof, you're still going to suffer the consequences. You see, we are each responsible for our own feelings, thoughts, words, and behaviors, as well as our beliefs, values, needs, and wants, and our expectations, hopes, and dreams. But if we are responsible, right, if each one of us is responsible, then that means that they, the quote-unquote they, whoever this conflict is with, are also responsible too, right? I got to tell you, guys, I, I really wish I had more time to go into this more in depth with you tonight. Um. But let me give you a couple questions that might help you to ask when you're experiencing conflict with someone and you really want a genuine, deep change. So there's two questions that you can ask about another person. So this is maybe not to that person, but you're, you can ask them and kind of do a, a reflection about this other person. Um, the first one is, can they change? Can they change? So this is really about their ability, and more recently, I would say about their awareness level, right? Um, so, for instance, uh, a great example is a person who has um, great ability Actually, let me back up. Let me make sure I, I explain both sides of this first, and then I'll go into that. So you've got the question, can they change? That's about ability. The next question is, will they change? That one's about attitude, okay? Two different questions, but the answer to both of them must be yes, okay? Um, so... I have a call coming up, and I'll tell you about that later, the, the seven levels of awareness. Um, but really it kind of is, is talking about where is somebody in their ability to, to change. Because some people just aren't aware enough in their life. They're too sucked up into life's dramas. Um, or maybe they have, you know, some pretty heavy stuff going on in their life, and they, they aren't able to change. But then there's those other people who are clearly able to change but not willing to change, right? So uh, some of you attended the stick chick call we did last week, and that went into this idea that um, you have a choice to accept or reject an idea. So when you're having this conflict with another person, the other person always has a choice, a responsibility for themselves. So they get to choose whether they are going to have an attitude of change or not. So, again, both both of those answers need to be yes in order for true change to come about. So, for instance, um, if you have a person who has um, a great talent or ability or awareness or intelligence, however you want to label that, but they have a poor attitude, 
right? They're really good at what they do, but they have a poor attitude. Do you know anybody like this in your life? I know a couple. <laughs> um, one of the companies that I work with, um, within their service team, um, there is a leader on that team who is amazing, um, very knowledgeable about what he does, um, about his field, about the, you know, the knowledge in his field. Um, but I got to say he has terrible people skills, and he's very arrogant and prideful, right? He knows just how good he is. Now, I also have to preface this. That I did get permission to tell this story, okay? Um, but, see, what happened was until he realized that he was the problem and not his teammates, the team could never get better. All of their conflicts came down to this one person who knew he was great but had a poor attitude. And then um, I, as I was reflecting on what examples I could share with you tonight, I was really thinking about the time of when I was first a director. And I had a staff member who had an amazing attitude, totally willing to change, um, but it was really hard because she lacked some of that ability, some of the awareness, some of um, what some people would call, you know, common sense, right? But some of you know common sense is a flower that doesn't grow in everyone's garden. Um, and so this new employee, she really greatly desired um, a certain position, and she really tried hard. Um, but it took almost two years to get her ready to be one step closer um, because she lacked that ability. And, and what she was trying to do was not necessarily in her strength zone. So it was very difficult for her. Now, uh, she kept at it and at it, and eventually it worked, but it took a great deal of energy. Um, and so if you're okay with that, go ahead. Um, go ahead with this person because sometimes – Sometimes when I work with people and they're, they're talking about hiring somebody new, I'll hear, well, I know it's going to take a lot of work, but I know it's going to be worth it in the end. Okay, great. I'm all for that. Um, so if you want somebody on your team or, or in your life like that, go for it. But, now here's the big but. But if you are going to cultivate this person and you know it's going to take a lot of time because they are willing but maybe not able, then you can't complain about them. Did you catch that? If you are willing and able to sacrifice time and resource and energy to develop this person, then focus on their development and don't focus on complaining about them. So what do you do if you need to see a change from someone, right? Uh, there are so many things you could do, but if this person is an employee, um, some of you may have heard me share this magic question before. Um, so the magic question, when it comes down to you know, you, you've had conversations with your employee um, or even, even
even with your kids, right, there, there's a way to ask this magic question. Um, but basically, you've come to the end of your rope as far as we've exhausted all possibilities here. Um, now what? And so in that regard, here's the magic question. Are you ready? Get your pencil ready. The magic question is, do you want to keep your job? Do you want to keep your job? Now, I fully realize that many of the people on the line come from what I call caregiving professions. Um, they're in charge one way or the other of, of really kind of taking care of groups of people. And usually what I find in these professions is that there is a notion that, um, you know, we, we try to do as much as we can for other people. And I am all for that. When you get to the point where having this person on your team or in your life, quite frankly, is causing such havoc and more work and energy than it is to have them out of your life or out of the job place, it's time to ask this question. Because sometimes the answer is, no, I really don't want to keep my job. And that's okay. That's okay, because that, that signifies that that person is not getting what they need there at their job. And so then the conversation becomes, well, how can I help you get to the next step, right? I care about you enough to say, this job is not for you, but and that's okay, so how can I help you find something better for you? Now, sometimes the answer is, well, yeah, I really want to keep my job. Okay, well, if that's the case, then here's what I need to see, right? So you could also ask this of, of people in your life, such as your children. And maybe it's not a job, but, hey, do you want to um, still have access to the car keys? If so, this is what I need to see, right? You can get a little creative with this one. So what about if the thing you're trying to change has to do with a parent or a spouse or um, what I call a high-stakes relationship? Um, maybe it's a child, you know. That's hard, isn't it? Let me just pause and say that if you find yourself in this position um, where you're having conflicts in these relationships, I feel for you. Uh, let me share some hope with you. You may not want to hear this word, but I'm going to share anyway. Boundaries. Boundaries. You see, when something bothers you enough to cause you to label it a conflict, it signals that whatever is going on is not okay. And your non-conscious brain is trying to yell at you to wake up. So you might start by saying, you know, so-and-so, this blank is really bothering me. Do you see this as a problem? Now, some of you are already arguing in your head with me, so just, just I ask you to just stick with me here for a minute. Most likely, if you say this, they're going to come back and they're going to say, well, no, I don't see that as a problem, right? 
And then you're going to say something like, well, you know, it is a problem for me. So I'd like you to think about it for, you know, a certain amount of time, and then we'll talk more about it. Okay? So what you're doing is you're saying, it is a problem for me. Think about it. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. Now, here's a warning. Don't tell them why it bothers you. Just say, this particular thing bothers me. Don't tell them why. Because when you tell them why, it, it invites um, debate, right? There, there's um, logic in it. Because most often, the reason why you're doing it really has nothing to do with your, the conscious part of your brain, that logic part. It really has to do with your feelings, values, beliefs, and needs, which is your non-conscious brain. And so many times, maybe you in the moment don't even know why it bothers you. You just know it does. It does. And so you need that time to step away and reflect and really think about why does this bother me, right? And so you're signaling to them, this is a problem for me. Let's think about it and let's come back and talk about it. So when you check back in, they may still say that they don't see a problem, right? And some of you are already going, this isn't going to work because they're never going to see a problem. So then you say, okay, but it's still a problem for me. So I need to see a change, and it looks like this, blank, or blank, right, whatever you need. Um, it looks like this. Or blank is going to happen, right? So what you're saying is, well, okay, you don't agree that it's a problem, but it still is a problem for me. And so, therefore, this is what I'm going to need um, to change. And if it doesn't, then this is going to be the consequence. That's all a boundary is, is sharing what you need and what's going to happen if your need isn't met. Now, some of you I know are already going down that road of, but isn't that selfish? Okay, so let me ask you this. These people that you're in conflict with, whether at work or at home, they're probably the people who are just stuck in your head and you don't know how to get past this conflict with this person because you're in such a, a habit of, of, you know, negativity. And so in this situation, my question to you is, who is looking after your wants or needs? It's probably not the other person, is it? So somebody should be looking after you, right? Who do you think has that responsibility? You know where I'm going with this, don't you? So um, let, me, let me just push pause for a minute and say that I realize that this is a lot easier said than done, okay? But let me say that as with anything, right, as with anything, whatever you're learning, it takes practice to get good, right? So first we started with that question, do you see this as a problem? What that does is it puts the focus on what you are discussing and not you or them. So it's not focusing on a person. It's focusing on the issue at hand. 
Then you give them time to process because some people need that time and will come to you after they reflect and they'll be able to see things from your perspective. Um, they'll just be able to kind of think about it and go, oh, okay, and have a little more compassion. Other people will never see things from your perspective, ever, right? This is when you will need a plan for consequences, consequences much as you would for a toddler, right? And let me just say, we're not treating other people as toddlers. It's just the same kind of awareness, okay? So what when you lay out a consequence, it teaches the other person the boundaries that you are comfortable with, and it provides the feedback in the form of consequences to help them when they cross that boundary, right? So you're showing them, here is my fence line. Don't cross it. If you do, there will be a consequence. Eventually, they will respect you more. Because the one thing I hear a lot of is, well, if I do that, they're not going to like me. They're going to get angry. Well, yeah, maybe. But again, who's looking after your wants, needs, desires? Um, so a perfect example, um, I've done this before with my husband and also with my child. Um, I have a, a, a deep need in me that I know has come from a, a, a very long conditioning in my childhood that I need to be places on time. Now, let me define on time because there are some people in my life who have a definite, um, a, a different definition of on time. So on time for me actually means that you are there and you are ready to go five minutes before it's actually time for whichever event to start, right? Um, so when you're there walking in the door on time, you're really late because you're not prepared and ready to be where you need to be when it starts, right? So, and I know some of you are going, oh, Michelle, oh, Michelle, it's such a type A, right? And, and that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but for me, that's a need. And so um, I have said before, listen, I want to be to church, and I want to be sitting in the pew, and I want to be, you know, kind of have this time for reflection and prayer before service starts. So I want to be there five minutes before service starts. And so in the past, my husband and my son have, you know, they are on their own timetable. And so I had to say, listen, the next time this happens, we're walking out the door at this time. If you're not in the car at this time, I'm leaving without you. And I got to say, I've only had to do it once with each of them, and it's never happened again. So what I did was I shared with them, this is really important to me. This is so important to me that I am risking you being angry at me because I'm saying my need here is really great. Now, don't get me wrong. If we were generally on time and something happened and we were just late that day, totally understandable. I have lots of grace and mercy for those situations. It is what it is, right? I've had three kids. I know that stuff happens, right? But when we're consistently late and it comes back to 
you know, we've had that discussion and nothing's changing. Well, now I have to show how serious I am. For all of those parents, you know that you've had to do this with your kids, but we forget that sometimes we have to do that with our other family members, with some friends, with coworkers, with people, maybe even a client. You know, maybe you have a client or a customer who's a little more pushy than you'd like and, and crosses your boundaries and you have to say, listen, this is, this is where my line is, right? And that's okay. That's okay. So think about that for, for just a minute. And we're not going to spend too much time there because I do want to move forward. But think about that for just a minute. Somebody who you, you've been in conflict with, if you could fix any one thing with this person, what would that be? And and what need or or um belief or desire is in you that is that you say is this this is making it a hot button issue for me? And what consequence could you lay down with this other person? Now this this takes a risk because you, you have to be able to be aware of and okay with their anger because that's most likely what's going to come out. But what consequence could you lay down with this other person? Think about that. And go ahead and write that down on your paper right now. And later on is your... Um, having some reflection time afterwards, I, I'd like you to really think about what what's a, you know, a four or five sentence little script almost that you could write out so that when you see this person, you can say, hey, so-and-so, um, this is a problem for me. Do you think that this is a problem? Okay, let's take some time. Let's think about this and come back together. And then, hey, yeah, it's still a problem for me, and so this is what I need to see. And if I don't see this, well, then this is going to happen. Okay? That's my challenge to you tonight. And I know for some who are on the line, that might be a pretty big challenge. So, second section is how do you work with Challenging people. <laughs> um, anybody worked with any challenging people, perhaps today? Uh, and maybe if you're truly honest, you can say that that was you, right? So I'd like to share with you five questions that you could ask yourself when dealing with challenging people, maybe even from the, um, the previous examples we shared. But first of all, um, think about a person in your life that causes some more than normal drama that threatens to suck you in, right? Could be a different person than the original person you were thinking of. Um, but they have this, this what I call a drama tornado, kind of threatening to suck you in. How is your relationship with them? What have you tried in the past? to make things better? And how is that working for you? How is that working for you? Do you really, really want to see a change? 
Or are you secretly comfortable with this dynamic for some reason? Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? Do you really want to see a change, or are you secretly comfortable with this dynamic? With these types of relationships, we must first ask ourselves questions that relate to counting the cost of change. Counting the cost of change. (laughs) So here's the five. They're related, so I'm going to spend a little bit longer giving you the first one, and then you'll catch up with the other four, okay? So the first one is, how much of my energy will I give to them? How much of my energy will I give to them? Now, you could also ask, how much of my energy will I let them take, which is almost the same thing. The essence is you are giving up something for this other person, and it's not always a positive thing, okay? So the first question, how much energy will I give to them? How much of my time will I give to them? How much of my focus will I give to them? How much of my joy will I give to them? And how much of my resources will I give to them? So there's energy, time, focus, joy, and resources. So basically you're asking, how bad does it have to get before the cost of not changing is higher than taking a risk? How much are you willing to give up? You know, I hear all the time from people who complain about their situation, but they don't do anything about it. They haven't reached their pain point yet to do something about it. Because for some reason, they really don't mind if it stays that way. Because if they truly did mind, if they truly minded, they'd do something about it, wouldn't they? If you truly minded the situation you're in with this challenging person, you'd do something about it, wouldn't you? Did I get you with that one? You see, there's a high cost of being around what I call energy suckers, right? Are you with me? Um, these energy suckers just take everything from us, don't they? But what if those energy suckers are high-stakes relationships, like we talked about before, Um, uh, a parent, a child, a spouse, a best friend, right? What if you can't get away from them? Well, first I would suggest that you examine the word can't in relation to this thought. So who says you can't get away from them? Why can't you? 
is there keeping is there something keeping you with them if so how can you get away more often you see the best thing to do with energy suckers is to stay away from them as much as possible before they infect you right before they infect you so just a brief example i'm thinking about children okay you know, you can't get away from your kids, right? Especially if they're they're not able to leave their house on the house on their own. You can't get away from them. But is there some way that you can design your life so that you're getting those regular moments to yourself? You might have to be more creative, but get those moments. But if it's not possible to get away, Focus on working on yourself while you're with them. Because, so let me give you an example. Some things that I've used in the past to focus on myself when I'm with known energy suckers is I always have a plan. Um, And after I have this interaction, I always take time to reflect. I kind of think, too, about how can I have little times of of escaping, which, you know, typically means I'm running to the bathroom. Um, So sometimes when I go to an event that I know is going to be harder for me, I will bring my water bottle and say I need to fill this up two or three times so that I will actually have an excuse to go to the bathroom, right? Um, Sometimes I focus on a skill that I'm building, right? So I say, okay, I know this is hard for me, but I'm going to, practice asking good questions or I'm going to practice acknowledging feelings or practice paraphrasing, whatever the skill is that I'm working on. Um, But when I plan, I plan for what's the reason for being here. And I know these people are energy suckers and therefore I'm not coming to get filled up. I'm coming to, usually it has, if, if it's with family, it's to serve, to be with them right? It's kind of changing that dynamic in my mind that, you know, we've always operated a certain way and I'm coming and I'm saying, okay, I'm just coming to love on these people today. Um, So if you can't get away from them, think creatively of how you can practice something that's going to make you better as you're around them. So you're not going to be probably be better just because you're around them, but if you are focusing on something to make yourself better as you're around them, then it's a good use of your time. So other people who are not high-stakes relationships, so these are, you know, friends, coworkers, acquaintances, um, really these people – Limit your exposure to them because that quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson is so true. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so if you are with people who drain your energy, who bring their drama tornadoes everywhere you are, that's where your focus will be and that's where your energy will be. So you are... In five years' time, you will be um, largely the product of who you hang around with, the books you read, and the things that you listen to. 
Those are the things that are speaking to your soul. So if you want to be somebody different in five years, take a look at those energy suckers you have in your life right now and figure out, do I need to be with them? Can I retreat away from them some more? Or can I focus a little bit differently when I'm with them so I can make myself better? Okay? Um, I've had to do this in my life. There are some friends that I had 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago that I don't have anymore because it's really hard to be around them. And I love them dearly. And I got to say, if any one of them were to say, man, I'd, I'd like my life to be better, I'd be there in a heartbeat. But I can no longer stand to be around folks who just want to sit around and whine and complain about life but never do anything about it. It's just not me. It's not the energy I'm trying to cultivate. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you spend any amount of time with me, um, you'll know that you, too, are a big thinker because that's the people who I choose to spend my time with, right? Um, so who are you spending your time with? What result do they have on you? How do you feel when you're preparing to spend time with them? How do you feel when you're actually spending time with them? And how do you feel after you're with them? See, the answers to, to those questions are clues as to whether they steal your energy, time, focus, joy, and resources or not, right? So how do you feel before you're with them, when you're with them, and after you're with them? Those are Pay attention to those clues. Pay attention to those clues. So the last part that I want to talk about is transition. So there are so many transitions in life, but I'd like to focus on one very specific transition um, related to this mindset um, tonight. So as I've been traveling around the last six months, I've really realized that there are um, what my children's fairy tale books would call the worker bees and the queen bees, right? The, the bees that keep the hive running and the queen bee that doesn't seem to do much but must be important because the colony always has to have one. Um, the worker bees who, who do the work and the leaders who lead the workers. Um, you see, many people think that you have to be one or the other. But the thing is, unlike bees, we can do both. The transition in mindset from being the one who does the work to being the one who leads a group who does work together is very simple yet profound. Again, I, I wish I had much more time to go deeper into this with you, um, but this idea really works with any person, whether you're a classroom teacher, you're the boss, you're a middle manager, maybe a parent. Um, it works with anybody. So are you the person who gets the job done or the person who develops people 
to get the job done. There's a little bit of a difference there, right? It's this idea of um, doing versus being. Um, you're, you're focused on a task versus focused on a team. Um, tunnel vision versus a team vision. Uh, addition versus multiplication. And the me versus the we. The me versus the we. So, you see, a, a people developer gets the job done while they're developing their team to do even bigger jobs. I'm pausing to allow your thoughts to catch up. So stay with me here. Stay with me here. This is really important. I know I've shared a lot with you tonight, and I'm sure that there's a lot there that your mind is already kind of swirling around. But set that aside for right now. You're going to have some thinking time later. But, see, producers know their place in the team vision and how what they do matters to the team. And that's important. Believe me. Um, think about that for a minute. Do you know what the work – that, that what you do is important, regardless of what you do, right? The work that you do is important. How do you know that? And, and who do you help? Because if you're not fully aware that what you do is important for the team, really reflect on this and, and use that as your starting point. But let's say that you already understand that, that you already understand what you do is important and you are a part of the team, whether that's the, the family structure, you know, the, the workplace, um, your community center, whatever that might be, be for you. So let's say you do know that. Here's two more questions for you. How does the team contribute to the larger vision of maybe your organization, um, maybe your community, right, however you would define that. How does the team that you're on contribute to that larger vision? And how does each team member contribute to that larger vision? See, that's different than the first one where you know that what you do matters. This this is thinking about the team in a, in a larger vision, plus looking at each team member as that puzzle piece that they add something to the greater whole. So a couple examples, because your brain will understand this better. Um, there's a, a large organization that I work with. Um, they have a sales team. Um, but the sales team is really what I call siloed. Um, they are individual people within a sales group, right? So they're, they're a bunch of individuals within this sales group, and the sales group is really kind of siloed within their organization. So they kind of ignore all of the other departments, right, because we're sales. We're the ones who bring the money in, and so we don't need anybody else, right? <laughs> um, they don't really understand the impact of what they do or don't do 
on the team and the grander vision, right? But see, everything that that sales team does impacts the organization's results. If they're not selling what they need to sell, the rest of the team is suffering. If they are going out and they are selling way more um, than what their, their production team can do to keep up, well, now we have another problem, right? And so you have to understand how that, that team fits in to the larger, grander vision. Um, another example, I, I, there's a, a large ed- education organization that I'm working with. Um, I've been working with them for several years. So last year they were trying to hire a new person. Um, and it was a pretty significant position. Um, and they were really thinking through this process and trying to be intentional about it. And they said, well, let, let's look at the job description. This is what it's always been, you know, and they kind of tweaked it a little bit based on who had the job last. And I said, you know, are you looking for a job description or are you looking for somebody to fill a need? And so when we really started talking about the needs of the group and saying, oh, how can, how can this person, whoever that might be, fit the needs of this group, well, then it became the difference between a job description and an actual person. Um, so each individual member is important to the grand vision. So just because this person had a specific title did not mean that that was the job that was needed. This one specific individual person had to have a certain skill set in order to move the team forward. But if they had stuck with the original traditional job description for that job, they would not have found the person that they needed. Now, consequently, a year later, they have the right person in that position, and the team is moving forward rapidly um, because it was exactly what everybody needed for the future work that they were doing. And so when when you understand that each individual person matters to the grand vision, each team matters to an even larger division, then you can start becoming not just the producer who does your own work, but you can begin seeing the significance in the people around you. You you don't have to be the boss to be a leader or to lead yourself. Let me say that again. You don't have to be the boss to be a leader or to lead yourself. So it, it, it all comes back to responsibility, doesn't it? When we're in conflict with somebody, we're to be responsible for ourselves and the rest is on them. Right? I'm responsible for my thoughts, my behavior, my actions, my words, my feelings. They're responsible for theirs. When we are working with a challenging person, whether it's conflict or not, maybe it's drama, um, we have the responsibility to really count the cost and and determine when we need to make that change. What are we willing to put up with without complaint? And what are we willing to do 
to get the problem solved. That's our responsibility to figure that out. And when when you're in a time of transition and, and you're trying to figure out how do I become a person who doesn't just do my own job, but but maybe lives and works a life of significance with other people, you're responsible for your self-leadership, for your focus, and get this, you are responsible for your freedom, for your freedom. So really, you know, these questions are, are questions for you to determine what am I willing to put up with in life? What do I really want out of this life and how can I get that? And what am I responsible for and what am I not responsible for? That's the bigger key question there. What am I not responsible for? You might need a change in behavior from somebody that is living in your own house, whomever that might be. You are responsible for speaking your truth and saying, this is what I need. And making sure that you get that. And doing it in a way that you're not controlling or manipulating, but you're merely stating, this is what I need, and this is what's going to happen if I don't get it. Now, the other person is responsible for their own feelings, whether that be anger, which typically that's what, what happens, or sadness or a little bit of grief or, you know, shock or surprise if you've never done that before. Um, but the point is that they are responsible for that, not you. And so one of the things that I'm really trying to do in my own life, you know, let, let's face it. So I've got my three kids, right? Ellie's going to be eight here in less than a month. Um, she's my youngest. Uh, Hannah's going to, well, boy, she's, she's 10, but she's going to be 11 in October, and I swear she's going on 30. Um, but she's definitely into that kind of tween, teen type of attitude. And then um, my oldest, Josiah, is going to be 12, excuse me, he's 12, he's going to be 13 in a couple months. And so here at my house, um, along with them and also, you know, my, my husband who's um, on his own path, um, there's a lot of anger. <laughs> um and I used to be really scared of anger um, because the the childhood I grew up in, um, you know, anger was a sign that you're going to get hurt. And so to me, any type of anger um, was not a good thing. Now, as I'm, I'm growing in life, I'm realizing that I have to get comfortable with anger. Now, I'm not trying to make them angry. I want you to hear that. I'm not trying to make them angry, and I'm not trying to hurt them at all. But you see, if I don't speak up for myself, if we're in a conflict and we both know we're in a conflict, if, if there's a challenging situation and I know it's sucking my energy, if I am putting myself in a position where I'm not being responsible for my own self-leadership, because I'm scared of another person's feelings that I have no control over, 
if I'm altering my life because of that, I am not being who I am called to be. I'm not being the 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 biggest, um, most abundant, healthy, whole Michelle that I could be. And that's the goal, isn't it? For all of us, it's to be the the healthy, wealthy, whole person that we know lives inside us. And so if I don't speak up for my own boundaries, first of all, no one else will, right? But if I don't speak up for my own boundaries, that means I can't be who I'm supposed to be. And so I have to give up in a weird way. This is going to sound weird. I have to give up that fear of someone's anger and risk possibly getting hurt by letting somebody else get angry in order to get what I need. Now, here's the kicker. I'm not getting hurt. I'm not getting hurt like I did when I was a kid, right? I'm, you know, I mean, I might feel bad, right? But in the end, I'm going to get what I need. And when I get what I need, typically what happens in this dynamic is that the other person recognizes that you're for real, right? That you're being responsible with your freedom, and they respect you more. And so that's my challenge to you tonight is to really, you know, when you're thinking about conflict and challenging people and transitions and things like that, yes, they are hard, but there's lots of opportunity there for you to practice being responsible for your own freedom. Be responsible for your own freedom. So. We're, we're at the conclusion of our call tonight. That's, that's the end of the teaching time. But here, here's what I'd like you to do now. Flip back to the beginning of your notes and review the goal that you had written down for this call. Did you get what you were looking for? So take a minute and right now in this very moment, Wherever you are in this very moment, what are you grateful for? Write that down again. And also write down one or two kind of aha moments you had while you listened. Go ahead and take that time now. So I apologize, but I'm I'm not going to have time for questions and answers tonight. Um, We only have a couple minutes left. There's a couple things I want to do because this is the the last of our three-part series to kind of wrap things up. Um, So let me tell you about the next steps. Um, The first is if you would like a copy of the recording of this call or you would like a training certificate, um, I need you to – email me. I'll give you that email in just a minute. Also, if you need a certificate, I will need three things from you. I need to know what did you learn from tonight? What will you share with somebody? And what will you try because of what you you learned tonight? So learned, share, and try. Um, Also, if you want to know more um, uh, about anything really in general as far as mindset or leadership goes, um, but specifically things that 
um, you know, were kind of come to into your awareness as we had these these three calls. If you'd like to know anything more about that, um, I'm kind of collecting some data to figure out what are some of the next calls um, to do. So I would love to have your feedback as far as that goes. So the email for um, the recording, the certificate, and then also um, feedback is grow by one teaching call. So it's grow by one, G-R-O-W-B-Y, the number one, grow by one teaching call at gmail.com. Okay? Um, another thing, uh, if you are on my teaching call list or the listserv or any of the social media sites, maybe you would have seen the flyer, um, a, a save the date. I am having a call series in July and August. Um, this is really going to focus on the mindset. Um, so the first call is going to be the seven laws of awareness. Um, kind of where are you at in life and how can you get to the next level? Um, the second one is going to cover 10 steps to changing your belief system. So really heavily um, adding on to these calls um, the and also the stick chick call. Um, and the third one, which is really, really cool, is going to be talking about the physiology of fear. So what happens in your brain and your body when you have fear and how do you overcome that? Um, this is a powerful, powerful series. Um, if you've enjoyed these calls, you don't even know what's coming for you in, in this Thinking for a Change series. Um, these three calls each will be they're scheduled for two hours, um, and we're going to try to really have some question and answer on that because it's going to really kind of break things free in your thinking. Um, finally, for for those of you who would really like to go at a much deeper level, um, talking about um, mindset and kind of um, learning how to design the the life that you want, um, I have a an empowerment mentoring program. And what it entails is a series of phone calls. Um, they're recorded, and so I send them to you, and you listen to them at your, your convenience, along with um, coaching appointments that we do by phone. So it's a jam-packed call full of, of topics like drama, um, the comfort zone, and the terror barrier, um, things like gratitude and attitude and talking about um, you are perfect um, and how to be world famous and um, just things that really speak to your heart about how to be that healthy, whole um, person that's living a life of abundance. Um, if you are interested in, in sharing that journey with me, please email me. Um, again, the email is grow by one teaching call at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to talk more about those things in greater detail with you. Uh, and so if you have enjoyed these calls at all, that's a program you're not going to want to miss, I promise you. Okay, so with that being said, I know I'm a few minutes past, and I would just say thank you for showing up, not only for tonight, but many of you have been on you know, not only for this call series, but since we started. And so um, I say thank you for, for being such a, a supporter of these calls and our growing tribe. 
Um, I really hope that this added value tonight to you and it made you think. Um, and I hope that it keeps you thinking for quite some time. So again, you know, remember to set aside that reflection time, whether it be tonight or tomorrow morning. Don't let, let too much time go by. Um, really think about this and um, think about how you're going to apply this to your life, okay? So with that being said, um, I release you all into the wild, and I pray that you would go forth and prosper, and please let me know your feedback. And I will unmute the line so you can all say goodbye. 